listening to the Every Child Can Learn podcast. The podcast is offered to you by Backup Uganda and Brainstart. You can listen to our podcast online on our website www.backupuganda.org. And if you are in Gulu, you can pick up the audios offline from Mega FM, Radio Rupin, Divine Video, and Music Library. Head teachers from the district schools can pick these podcasts from the district education office, and head teachers from city schools can pick theirs from the city education office. You can as well pick up the podcast episodes from the following schools Highland Primary School, Gulu Prison Primary School, Gulu Town Primary School, Mary Immaculate Primary School, St. Joseph's Primary School, or Christ the King Demonstration Primary School. Do you like our podcast? Feel free to share it with your family, friends, and neighbors. The more people learn about learning difficulties, the better we can help our children. Welcome to our 14th episode of Every Child Can Learn. Um, my name is Lanyora Gladys. I work for Backup Uganda. Today, I'm very happy and delighted to meet our special guest. He is going to tell us his name, uh, where he's from, maybe the name of the organization, and what we or what he would like us to know about him. So let me welcome our guest. Thank you very much, Gladys. My name is Okelo Michael Robaston. I work for Komboni Samaritans of Gulu, uh, an organization which is based in Gulu. Um, I, we are implementing an education program. I work as the program coordinator for Northern Uganda Education Program in Gulu. Thank you very much, uh, Michael, for uh, that introduction. Uh, could you please tell us more about what you do and maybe your position as a supervisor in the organization you just mentioned to us? Thank you, Gladys. As I mentioned earlier, I work for uh, Komboni Samaritans of Gulu uh, as the program coordinator for a project called Northern Uganda Education Program. This project uh, entirely uh, focuses on uh, supporting critically vulnerable children who drop out and those who have never been to school before and uh, in short form we call it speed school program now in my capacity as the coordinator for this program my work is to supervise the facilitator in this regards we refer to the teachers who implement the program or the teachers who actually teach do the actual support to the children in the classes as in the no normal terms we term it as teaching. Yeah, so my work is majorly to support them uh, technically and make sure that uh, the learners get exactly what is prepared for them. Thank you. Thank you so very much, uh, Michael, for explaining that. You, you really do a great job. Uh, you've talked of supporting your teachers or your facilitators in their teaching. And I believe you also do practice what we call inclusive education. Uh, could you please let the listeners also know, what do you understand uh, by inclusive education? And what does inclusive teaching look like to you? Thank you once again. Uh, when we look at the philosophy itself, uh, this is just 
looking at, let me put in the most simplest way that uh, urging schools, neighborhoods, and community, or any nearby uh, category of people who support learning in school, to make sure that uh, they value each and every child the way they are. Because, you know, individually, uh, we are created differently. Therefore, you realize that uh, my capacity may not be exactly as your capacity, and my understanding and the time that I will take may not be exact, exactly at the same pace. Therefore, if uh, the teacher or the facilitator or a nearby neighborhood or anybody who supports learning understand and takes you the way you are, you feel motivated and encouraged to move on. Therefore, in these regards, it is very important that as we follow these children or whoever comes across our lives, we should support them the way they are. So when we talk about inclusive education, we are looking at philosophy that adds all schools, neighborhoods, and communities, or anybody who comes around to welcome and value everyone regardless of their differences or their individual differences. Thank you. Amazing. Uh, thank you so very much for sharing that. Uh, you mentioned a lot of things pertaining inclusive education that uh, that involves every learner, regardless of their capacities to understand or to uh, to pick up whatever the teachers are teaching in the classroom. Could you also share with us some examples of how inclusive your facilitators or your teachers have been teaching? And what have you learned about inclusive education? Uh, thank you once again, Gladys. Uh, you know, like for our own case, we pick children who have never been to school before, and children who dropped out of school like two, three years ago. So when we bring them back to school, uh, you realize that you'll meet so many children with different unique learning difficulties. Some people or some learners may have difference or difficulties in reading and writing. Not necessarily that they don't know. Some may have uh, difficulties in adding, subtracting, basically mathematical. Therefore, uh, such children with uh, dyscalculia, that's the term that we use, of course, uh, children who get difficulties in adding, subtracting, or generally we can talk about mathematics. Uh, you really need to get closer to some of these learners. And some of these learners, not necessarily that they do not know, but because that is the way they are, so they really need special attention. Therefore, as we give this special attention to these learners, there is need for you to consider all other factors as possible to ensure that these learners, they get exactly what you are teaching or what you are prepared for them to deliver. You may not understand them exactly, but when you draw nearer, you realize that some of these children, they may not necessarily also have some time learning difficulties, but because of some of the challenges that they come across in life, like from home, some children from home, the way they are treated, it affects them even as they get to their respective classes to continue learning. As there is need for this, uh, our facilitators or for us as supervisors to see possibly how we can support these facilitators or the teachers in ensuring that these learners or the critically vulnerable children get exactly what is prepared for them and they also feel motivated and catered for and also cared for. Thank you. 
Uh, thank you so much. Uh, maybe before I continue with my next question, how have you been supporting these facilitators? You've mentioned you support them in how they can teach these learners in the classroom inclusively. How have you supported them? Thank you. Uh, first and foremost, before we send these facilitators to classrooms, we make sure that we take them through orientation training of about a week. And uh, during the training, there are specific uh, areas that we prioritize on. Like we are quite certain of some possible uh, learning difficulties that we are sure of. For example, there are some children that they can hardly see. All right? So now, as we continue supporting these facilitators, we encourage them to uh, write boldly. So as they write boldly on the chalkboard, the child will be in position to understand. Or even those with such kind of learning difficulties, we ask them to make sure that they draw them nearer to the chalkboard or they should sit in the forefront so that they are able to understand. Uh, there are other children that they take time to learn. And that means you need to create some additional time to support these children because when you're given like 40 minutes, like maybe to facilitate learning, uh, you realize that within the 40 minutes, some children are fast learners. They will learn faster. So now you realize that these specific learners, sometimes uh, they take over and they dominate the whole classrooms. And those ones with specific learning difficulties, they get challenged. Now it is the responsibilities of the teacher to be very keen in identifying some of those children such so that at the end of the day, they can also reorganize or plan for some remedial lesson or how they can support them. Not only that, if they are being given group tasks or group activities to do as a group, in our setting, uh, in each group we have six learners. Now you realize that some learners are so fearful and they cannot take up some leadership roles within their groups. Now it is the responsibility of that facilitator or the teacher to ensure that each and every time a task is given, they are supposed to move around to ensure that they observe, they should be keen and realize that most of these learners are taking up responsibilities in sharing. Hence, in that regards, they are able to learn uh, together as a team, and that's where that's, uh, that aspect of inclusive education comes in. Thank you. Thank you very much. Amazing. I, I love the, the, the one element that you mentioned that you have remedial lessons. And, and we've worked with many schools where it is not remedial lesson, but extra lesson. But in this case, for children with disabilities, remedial lessons do help a lot. Thank you so much, uh, Michael, for sharing that. Um, I wanted you to also share with us, what do you think is the biggest myth uh, that people say about disability, according to you? Okay. Um, thank you once again. Uh, what I have observed is that uh, many times we rush into conclusion, we judge some of these children, and we even baptize them names, like this child is dense, you're a slow learner, and yet you have not decided or you have not taken your time to learn the child. Sometimes we conclude certain things which are not necessarily true, because just like the way I shared earlier, you realize that if a child is being mistreated from home, it will affect the child, the child's education. Now, when the child comes in a classroom, 
he will not he or she will not be the same as a child who is taken very good care of from home now talk about hunger all right sometimes some of these children they come to school and uh, during lunch time other children are going to have lunch some are not okay that they have maybe their home is far away from the school environment and therefore they will always stay hungry now that will affect the child learning but the biggest myth about uh, uh, these children with learning disabilities is that these children if we are given or if they are given opportunity they are able to learn just like the normal way only that uh, they are not being given opportunities to explore more and also excel where they are because some of these children are even talented some of them they are talented they are gifted and but they are always not given opportunity uh, to demonstrate or to explore what they are able uh, to show like a case and that becomes a very big uh, challenge to them but um, ideally uh, all these children for the past years we have started implementing this program in 2016 to date we realize that some of these children with learning difficulties if paid attention to you realize that towards the end of the year they're even becoming uh, the best performers because only that they were not being given opportunity and sometimes uh, they end up losing even hope they end up even dropping out because now nobody's drawing attention from home nobody's supporting from school nobody's supporting even the friends thank you thank you so much michael uh, for elaborating that and explaining to our listeners i believe uh, the listeners have really understood so very well and and the one point that i've loved is attention a lot of times our parents the teachers or the facilitators uh, do not give attention to these learners in particular, those that are struggling with disabilities. But I, uh, after listening to this, I believe our parents and the teachers out there will understand much, much better that giving attention to these learners and also doing the things that uh, our guest Michael has mentioned will really help them. Uh, now to wrap it up, um, what do you think our parents can do to support their child best if they are dealing with any disability and maybe when you're done uh, uh, giving what parents can do to support you could also uh, find out advise the parents who are listening to the program thank you uh, thank you very much Gladys first and foremost let's all try to understand that these children are the same now when we are looking at what the parents should do or what I think parents can do to support their child's best if they are dealing with any disability, first and foremost, they should understand the child. What kind of learning disability are we talking about? Now, if they understand that, they should try to follow up, even from school. Many of us believe that or think when we send our children to school, we pay their fees and we send them with requirements. That is all. You see, there are gaps in this uh, thought. There's, there are things that teachers can do and then there are things that parents should do because as a teacher there are areas that the teacher cannot go beyond like for instance from home a teacher might try or the, or the teacher can do all it takes for the child to understand and 
deliver the lesson as planned, putting into consideration the, dis the learning disabilities. But you realize that when the child gets home, some of the parents or some of the caretakers, you are just trying to abuse this learner, trying to abuse this child. You have not understood the child. I always tell people that it is everybody's dream that maybe if a child is sitting for primary living examination or senior four, uh, it is good. It brings joy if a child gets a first grade. But now, if a child does not get the first grade, is it a crime? Really, what happened? You see, we need to ask so many questions. So, as a parent, you should also try to do your best. Understand the child, see possibility of how you can support the child, follow the child, go to the class and meet the class teacher and understand what the problem is and what you can do as a parent. And besides, far from that, you are also supposed to uh, support this child uh, in other way, you see, in the school right now, we, we believe that it is good for a child to learn holistically. Now, when we are talking about such kind of holistic learning, you realize that from home alone, I mean from school alone, is not going to be enough. And it is the responsibility of the parents to make sure that after getting the key information when you follow the child from school, you will even encourage the child. Okay, And if you are looking at the exercise books, maybe the task given by the teacher, yes, try to understand what the problem is. During the, this uh, last lockdown, we were doing our program called um, In the Villages because now uh, we were whole home, children were home. So we were, we were, we were preparing some packages for uh, our children or our learners in the villages and we are also giving parents tasks to support their children because the teacher cannot move all the time. Therefore, we realize that the contribution of the parent is very key in a child's life as far as learning is concerned. Therefore, we should also take charge and make sure that we support our children as far as education is concerned. Because take, for instance, if maybe a child is in a lower primary and maybe they are teaching about culture, you may realize that maybe uh, a trained teacher from the college may not be in position to know some of the things which are within our tradition. But when a child gets home, will understand it deeper from the grandmother or from the parents. Because most of our teachers, you realize that they are young, so there are certain things of the tradition that they will not be in position to share with the children, but they will send the children back home to gather some of this information. Like, take for instance, when we are talking about naming of twins, like in a Choli land, you will not run away from that, even if you are born again. That's why some people are called a Chen or Piu. So they should understand why, what are the process, what are the procedure, and why, what are the circumstances leading to such kind of namings. So when we talk about naming ceremonies. So these are very key because now if the parents is coming to support the child along that line, the child will also be in position to understand, ah, my mom also understands something. Thank you. Thank you so very much, uh, Michael, for elaborating and explaining so well to our listeners what they can do as parents and also uh, as teachers out there. And, and what the one thing that I've loved uh, is the relationship between teachers and parents. Teacher 
parent relationship is very, very important. We've been mentioning this every time. Follow-up is very, very key. Uh, parents who are listening to this program, you need to follow up your child. You need to identify and get to know how best you can help your child. Thank you once again, Michael, for sharing this wonderful information. I believe it's really going to help our listeners out there, especially the parents, the teachers, and those caretakers and, and, and also those supporting children uh, with disabilities and even those that do not have disabilities. Uh, as Backup Uganda, we always say every child can learn. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Every Child Can Learn. Please share your thoughts with us. Join the conversation on Facebook or send your questions to 0772-630078. Do you want to learn more about Backup Uganda and stay updated about our activities? Check our website on www.backupuganda.org and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Oh,